It was a Memorial Day weekend that had just about everything when we talk about the world of sports, and we'll recap it coming up on today's episode of the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in. This is the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Hope you had a safe, relaxing, and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Hope you also took some time to step back and remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms, as well as those who have served in any branch of the military. We thank you and those for doing such, and I hope you took some time and will take some time over the next few days, if not weeks, to remember those children down in Texas who unfortunately now will be laid to rest uh, here in the upcoming days. Keep them in your thoughts and prayers as well. When it comes to the world of sports, we had a little bit of everything on the table over that Memorial Day weekend. We had, obviously, the NBA championship now set between Golden State and Boston. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We've got some NFL news. It's a stretch, but the match is going to be tomorrow, and that is the uh, made-for-TV, shall we say, golf event with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes as they'll go at it in a 12-hole best ball type format scenario, which will air on TNT. Uh, We're going to talk about that simply because uh, Tom Brady threw a little shade at Aaron Rodgers as well as the other quarterbacks who are competing in that golf tournament tomorrow. So we'll get to that when we talk about some things within the NFL. want to touch on uh, Kevin King with the Green Bay Packers and whether or not the Packers should resign him. So we'll get to that a little bit later. There was some racing over the weekend. Indianapolis 500 was back at full strength. Estimated crowd of over 325,000 on hand down in Indy for that. And it turned out to be a spectacular race, especially the shootout. I'll call it towards the end. So we'll get to that. And then we've got another slap hurt around the world. This time in baseball has nothing to do with Will Smith or Chris Rock, but we've got another altercation in which a slap is involved, and we'll close things out today talking about that. But I want to start today talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. I hope we're sitting back as Brewer fans in the state of Wisconsin, in the city of Milwaukee, or wherever it is you are, and enjoying what we're seeing. It was funny that if you go on social media, and social media has its privileges, it has its perks, and it has its downfall. And if you look on social media yesterday, the amount of griping uh, 
that was taking place for people like Lorenzo Cain or Christian Yelich or listen, it's baseball. It's a marathon. You're going to have ups, downs, and everything in between. And there are very few people who will hit every single game. Let's face it. You get to the Hall of Fame hitting over 300. If you're, let's say, a 320 lifetime career hitter, that's considered spectacular. Let's remember, that means roughly six and a half, we'll just round it up, we'll say seven, seven out of ten times, you didn't do anything. Whether you flew out, struck out, grounded out, whatever the case may be, that means seven out of ten times you, in essence, failed. That is the beauty of baseball. And the fact of the matter is the Brewers right now are producing on both the offensive side with some key hits at key times, and the pitching staff has been absolutely spectacular. So go back to Sunday when Corbin Burns strikes out 11 and the Brewers beat the Cardinals 8-0 to get a split. Now, we've said it time and time again on this podcast, it's time to start you know, putting those wins in, obviously, the win column for redundancy's sake, but to start separating yourself from the rest of the division. And the team that always scares me most is the St. Louis Cardinals. And the fact that you went into St. Louis and got a split, that's all you can ask for on the road when you're down two games, so to speak. You win the first one, you lose the next two. You got to get that split, and that's exactly what the Brewers did. So if as long as you're winning series, and as long as the ones that are considered, oh, I hate to say a loss, but on the downside, you're splitting, that makes for an incredible season. And what we're in the midst of is potentially an incredible season. So the Brewers get the split with St. Louis in that 8 nothing win. And then yesterday, on Memorial Day, they get the doubleheader sweep of our friends to the south in Chicago against the Cubs. And what we're seeing again is what? Pitching. The pitching for the Milwaukee Brewers has been absolutely spectacular as the beginning of this season is evolving. Now, we're just getting ready to wrap up May, right? We're just getting ready to wrap up the month of May, head into June, start heading into the what we always like to phrase as the dog days of summer. But going into June... As we put this podcast together, the Brewers are 32 and 18. 14 games above 500. And they're doing it in a ton of different ways. The pitching, as I said, has been spectacular. Josh Hader, who has rejoined the team after taking some time off, as we've talked about in a previous podcast, to tend to his wife, who was having some difficulties with her pregnancy, just is absolutely mowing people down. He is shutting the door. The last time, and I don't have the stat in front of me, which is terrible on my part, but I will roughly give it to you. The last time Josh Hader has given up an earned run in a game, you have to go back to July, the end of July last year, and I believe it was against Pittsburgh. Josh Hader is right now pitching on a different stratosphere. He is doing things 
that we have not seen here as Brewer fans in quite some time. And Josh uh, Hader was the first one now to close out a doubleheader since I think it was 2013. This, This team is special right now. This team has got the potential to make a deep run. And so as we go through the ebbs and flows of this marathon we call a 162-game baseball season, enjoy these times. Enjoy when they're winning. Stop people on social media looking for everything that is negative. It is baseball. Like I said earlier, Hall of Fame players failed 7 out of 10 times. This team has got something going. And I hope that it continues because the next step for the Milwaukee Brewers is obviously to win the NL and get to the World Series. We've seen this team make it to the playoffs five years now in a row. We're getting used to that. That's something we were never used to. You go back five years and we were absolutely ecstatic if the Brewers made the playoffs. Now the Brewers have kind of flipped the script, so to speak, and have found themselves in a situation in which they are perennial playoff contenders. Now we've got to take that next step. Much like the Bucs, the Bucs were in the playoffs, and it was we've got to take that next step, and they did last year. Unfortunately, injuries played a part this year and didn't get an opportunity to try and repeat as NBA champions, but they took that next step. That's what we're waiting now for the Brewers to do next. And you can't argue what Craig Council and David Stearns have done with this ball club. You know, Craig Council is not the flashiest individual in the world. He's not going to give you a ton of sound bites in his postgame presser. David Stearns is like a baseball accountant when it comes to the analytic side of it, and he continues to put together a team like we see that not only can produce wins, but the chemistry with this team is special. So, again, those on social media who want to nitpick every little thing, relax a little bit. Enjoy the ride because right now at 32-18 and 18 and 14 above 500, the potential for this season has an unlimited ceiling to it. And we've seen in the past sometimes where things have gone wrong, but this doesn't appear to be it. So the other day, and we got to touch on this before we close out baseball, Brandon Woodruff uh, is now on the IL with a high ankle sprain. He was warming up in that Cardinal game on Saturday, and suddenly when he went to throw a pitch, he experienced an incredible amount of discomfort. You could just see it on his face, and it turns out he has a high ankle sprain on, I believe it's his his right ankle, but he's been put on the 15-day injured list to give him some time to heal. Look how everybody else, once again, is stepping up. We're going to face injuries as the year progresses. Every team will. What's incumbent upon the management, what's incumbent upon the front office, and those in the dugout is to step up. 
and that's what we're seeing the Brewers do. So the Brewers, once again, will take on the fun-loving and always dreaded Chicago Cubs once again tonight looking to try and extend the winning streak, which now sits at three to four. All right, on the other side of a quick timeout, let's talk about the match. That will be part of our NFL coverage on today's podcast as the match will take place tomorrow, and we'll get into uh, some of the shade that Tom Brady threw at his competition as well as his partner, and we'll do it on the other side of this quick break. All right, let's get into some NFL news. And I, I granted this is a bit of a stretch, but it involves four NFL quarterbacks, and they'll be partaking in what has been deemed the match. And that'll take place at the win in Las Vegas tomorrow. It's a 12-hole exhibition. You can watch it on TNT. Coverage will begin here in the 414 at 530. It's a 6:30 Eastern. Uh, kickoff as far as the coverage goes, but that's obviously 5.30 here. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Those will be the teams going at it. Now, in doing so, the one thing that has happened since Tom Brady has left the New England Patriots is the fact that we've seen Tom Brady kind of be more himself. The Patriots do what the Patriots do. The Patriots do it in such a way with Tom Brady that they had this incredible, what we'll call dynasty within the NFL, the perennial champs, right? Whether they were winning Super Bowls, they were in Super Bowls, they were Super Bowl contenders, the Patriots were always in the mix. Excuse me, and they were always in the mix because of Tom Brady. But there's a buttoned up, buttoned down, however you want to say it, way about New England and how they go about their business under head coach Bill Belichick. And since Tom Brady has left and gone to Tampa, we've seen Tom Brady have, I'll say, a little bit more fun. He's a little bit freer to say some things that I don't think he would have said as part of the New England Patriot way. And so as we head into the match coming up tomorrow, Tom Brady decided to throw some shade not only at Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, his opponents, but he threw a little dig into his partner, Aaron Rodgers. So this is courtesy of Bleacher Report, and this is Tom Brady throwing a little shade at uh, the other quarterbacks partaking in the match. I got my boy Mike there ready to catch. I don't even know who caught Aaron. Devontae left him, and Tyreek left you, Patrick. Josh, don't worry. Someone's going to leave you, too. I love you. My boy Mike never left me, I'll tell you that. But anyway, we're on the same team, Aaron. Josh. And uh, Patrick aren't going to get any, so... So there was Tom Brady throwing a little shade at his opponents and as well to Aaron Rodgers about receivers that have left and essentially saying, guys, you know, my my stud receivers, they don't go anywhere. What What's going on with you? So I have a feeling the jawing back and forth during the match tomorrow will probably be more entertaining than the golf. So, again, if you want to tune in, it airs tomorrow night, 
5.30 our time here in the 414 TNT. It's from the win in Las Vegas over the last few years that they've been doing this made-for-TV event. It has raised $33 million for charity, and hopefully this year it will be successful as well. In other NFL news, one thing that I want to get to here before we jump into the NBA is the fact that one of the questions that arose over the weekend is should the Packers re-sign Kevin King? What kind of sense would that make considering what the cornerback, we'll call it the cornerback room, looks like now for the Green Bay Packers? So you've got cornerbacks within that room like Jair Alexander, who the Packers have now made the highest paid cornerback in all of football, Rasul Douglas, who played very well last year, as well as Eric Stokes, who's still under his rookie contract. You have three quality cornerbacks right now. So the question is, do you go out and re-sign Kevin King? My answer would be yes. My answer would be if it is financially doable from the business aspect of things, you bring Kevin King back. You're not asking now Kevin King to be a starter. He's not going to be that for you considering you've got the likes of Alexander Douglas and Stokes, as I mentioned, in that locker room. But Kevin King has experience. Kevin King understands the system. Kevin King has shown flashes of brilliance mixed in with flashes of ineptitude. So if you're not asking him to play every single snap, and you're only asking him maybe to come in on the dime package or the nickel package or to fill in because of injury, his experience mixed with his athleticism, I think, will create a situation where now you've got the cornerbacks for the Green Bay Packers and is probably as strong of a place as you've had in, I don't know, 25, 30 years. It's ironic, the cornerback position for the Green Bay Packers has always had question marks over it. Even at times when they've made deep runs in the playoff, playoffs, the one, the one thing on the defensive side of the ball, the question mark always seemingly was the cornerback position. And now the cornerback position, if you bring in a Kevin King, I, I sincerely believe will be as solid as it has been as I said, for years. It's ironic now that we're talking about the cornerbacks being a, a position of strength, much like now we're talking about the pitching staff being a position of strength for the Milwaukee Brewers. Those two position areas in times of playoff runs for the respective teams have had question marks over them, and now they're positions of strength. So have there been times over the last two years Kevin King has struggled? Yes, no question about it. But he has also shown that he can make plays that make you say, oh, now I get why they keep him on the team. Now, granted, we, we all know about the playoff miscue. We, we don't have to revisit that. Those elements have been put into play. But they were put into play when he was a starter. And they were put into play Quite honestly, there there's a little bit of of a coaching error when that mistake occurred as well. Bringing Kevin King back, I think, again, as long as it works financially, 
I think it's a must for the Green Bay Packers. I think it's an interesting question. I think it's an interesting debate because I know people are going to have a different perspective considering the health concerns that Kevin King has had and some of the miscues. But knowing now that Kevin King is not expected to be a starter, I just think it makes all the sense in the world. So it'll be something to see. Who knows if Kevin King thinks he can get out there on the free agent market and make a little bit more with another team, more power to him. But hopefully it'll work out financially for the Green Bay Packers. On the other side of this quick break, the NBA championship is ready to roll this week. And we'll get into some of the questions I have moving forward as Golden State and Boston get ready to tip it off in that seven-game series. We'll do it right after this. All right, let's get into the NBA Finals as they'll tip off on Thursday as the Golden State Warriors will take on the Boston Celtics in that seven-game finale to this NBA season to see who will take home the Larry O'Brien Trophy. And now coming out of each conference final, I've got some questions. And predominantly, those questions go to the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics survived. I think that's the easiest way I know how to put it. Miami, after being down, not looking like they were really wanting to play at all on Sunday, fought back and almost stole it away from Boston. And here's my first question, or my first thought. Boston has had those moments, whether they have played Miami or our beloved Milwaukee Bucks, where they've had a lead and have not been able to slam the door, lock it, and put it away. We saw the Bucks with a huge comeback in Boston to steal a game. We've seen Miami get a couple of games that they probably shouldn't have gotten because Boston failed to close the door and lock it. And so that's a question mark. When you're going up, for me, against... Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, as well as the other cast of characters, no pun intended, with the Golden State Warriors, you you can't allow a team like Golden State to get back into it and expect to survive like you did against Miami. Jimmy Butler gave everything he had on Sunday, 35 points, took, took a three towards the end, I love the question at the end. Jimmy, why'd you take the three? Did you see anybody else hitting baskets? Is there anybody else surrounding me right now who's hitting threes? I'm I'm going for the win. I Sometimes I, I get it. Reporters have to ask questions. They're trying to on-the-spot dig for things. But sometimes the questions are a little mind-numbing, to say the least. Jimmy Butler poured everything he had on a team that was banged up And on a team, which now gives me to my second point, on a team that lacked perimeter shooting, Tyler Hero not being available because of the groin injury, this year's Sixth Man of the Year Award winner, the product from right down the street here from Whitnell High School, unable to go, 
or when was able to go, not necessarily being who he was all season, they lack perimeter shooting. What did the Bucks lack? Perimeter shooting. We didn't have anybody once Chris Middleton went down who could consistently hit. Yes, Giannis hit a couple from beyond the arc, and Drew did what Drew does. He gives you that 19-21 to 21 and plays some incredible defense. But we needed a shooter. You go back to the Brooklyn series. Boston took care of K- – they just threw everybody at KD and said, somebody else beat us, and Brooklyn had nobody who could beat them from the perimeter. Brooklyn didn't have anybody who could beat them on the block. They were all relying on KD in what became a soap opera with the Brooklyn Nets. Now Boston has to play a team that is, A, not only rested because it only took them five games to issue Dallas their departing uh, passes. So they're rested, and they're as healthy as anybody's going to be right now heading into the finals. They are a complete team, and that to me is something Boston has not faced in their run towards a championship. Now, the best thing about this, when all is said and done, you could be completely wrong, and you could find out that Boston's defense is everything it's made up to be, and I don't question defensively what they can do, but they've been able defensively to clamp down on one or two people and call it a day, and they've been able to survive again. We've seen Jason Tatum go off, and we've seen Jason Tatum disappear. And I think the disheartening thing for the Boston Celtics is you're making a run towards the NBA Finals, and there have been games, not only in the Miami series, but in the Milwaukee series, where you've absolutely disappeared. You haven't shown up. How did Boston lose to Miami at home in game six? After stealing one in Miami, you come home, you should have been able to close it out, and you couldn't. Boston is going to have their hands full going into, obviously, this championship series. The one person that could absolutely create havoc for Boston is the fact that it looks as if Gary Payton II is going to return. After that elbow dislocation off the hard foul back in the playoff run against Memphis, Gary Payton looks like he's ready to go again. That's another element, another factor that Boston's going to have to figure out how to do it defensively Where again, in these other series, they've been able to lock on one or two people, and that's it. Golden State just is too deep. So if I'm looking at the playoffs, if I'm looking at this NBA championship, right now I'm telling you from my perspective, I'll take Golden State in five. And I would even suspect that with the amount of time off that they had, that they're going to look rusty. And this, to me, will be key. They're going to look rusty, I think, in those first two quarters in game one on Thursday night. The key will be the second half. I think Boston could have a 10-point lead going into halftime just because Golden State's got to get, as I said, they got to get the rust off. The key to me will be quarters three and four. If Boston has a 10-point lead 
and can't again close the door and allow Golden State back in, this thing is done in at least at at bare, bare minimal, a sweep, but maybe five. I'll give Boston one win, and that will be it. So the NBA Finals tipping off this Thursday, 7 o'clock. Check it out. ABC is, unfortunately, the Bucks won't get a chance to repeat, but we're going to see a Golden State team that has the opportunity to win four championships in eight years, and Golden State has got that dynasty thing going, much like the New England Patriots did in football, as we were talking about in a previous segment. All right, we're going to add a little segment here because it was Memorial Day weekend. It's a huge race weekend, and there were a bunch of races that were notable. Obviously, you had the Grand Prix of Monte Carlo, the Indy 500, the Coca-Cola 600. So we'll briefly touch on that. And then towards the end, as we wrap things up, don't forget, we'll talk about another slap hurt around the world, this time in baseball. We'll get to it in just a sec. Let's get into some racing, something we rarely talk about on this podcast because I know so little. I enjoy IndyCar racing. I enjoy open-wheel racing. I've gotten a little bit more involved with F1, especially during the pandemic when we were looking for anything to watch. Started getting into the F1 side of things a little bit more, but we had a huge racing weekend, a huge racing day on Sunday in which we had the Grand Prix of Monte Carlo, the Monaco Grand Prix, excuse me. We had the Indy 500, the Coca-Cola 600. So let's take them just simply in order, touch on them. I'm not going to expound on it because I would not know what I am talking about with the exception of something that took place at least in the broadcast for the Monaco Grand Prix. So Red Bull Sergio Perez, he wins his first race of the season by just over a second as he beat Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen um, down the stretch. It was one of those where it got to be uh, a situation where there was some blocking involved, and it, it it became a really interesting end to what was an up-and-down race between it raining at the beginning, then the cars having to put on the rain tires, and then making their way back on a red flag, changing into, obviously, the different um, composites that they have in F1, and it ended up being a really great race. So here's the only thing I want to comment about when it comes to F1 and the Monaco Grand Prix, and that is this. There was talk in the telecast that there's the potential next year as the schedule is put together that somehow Monaco would be left out. Now, granted, the cars have gotten bigger, wider, faster, you name it, and the streets of Monaco are still the streets of Monaco but it's tradition. And sometimes I think we're too quick to give up on tradition. Monaco for Memorial Day, as far as we are, weekend goes, 
it's just one of those things for racing fans to sit down at 8 o'clock in the morning and not have to leave their couch to 10 o'clock at night because you go from F1 to Indy to stock car to NASCAR. It's just a, it's a fun day for those who love the automotive sporting side of things. So I hope that the, the thoughts moving through F1 and how they're going to schedule and so forth, that Monaco stays on the schedule the way it has seemingly forever in F1. One thing to keep an eye on is that next year Monaco is racing in Vegas, and they're going to be racing down the streets of Las Vegas. So l- look at the race uh, pattern, uh, what the course is going to be, and I would say book your hotels accordingly. You might save a few bucks. You could just sit and look out the window and watch these cars driving down the strip as they race in Vegas next year. Excuse me. Next up was the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500, what is known as the greatest spectacle in racing. As I noted earlier, just over 325,000 people on hand. It was the largest gathering for a sporting event since the pandemic. And Marcus Erickson wins the Indy 500 in what can only be thought of as a shootout. There was a crash with about six laps left. They brought the cars in, red flagged it, cleaned everything up, got the cars back out. And after a couple of laps to warm up the tires, they had a two-lap shootout in which Erickson wins the 500. He's a Formula one driver, a former Formula One driver who gets the checkered flag down in Indy. And then the night closed out with Denny Hamlin winning the Coca-Cola 600. It's his first 600 victory in his 17-year career. He was able to hold off Kyle Busch in overtime to get the win. So if you were a racing fan or are a racing fan, I'm sure Sunday was one of those days when Uber Eats did a lot of delivering and you found yourself stuck to the couch enjoying all of it. All right, so when we wrap up things today, as we do on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, we're going to take a moment and talk about the slap heard around the world, part two. This time it involves Major League Baseball, and we'll get to it after we take a quick timeout. All right, let's wrap things up today with, as I like to call it, the slap heard around the world, part two. And no, we're not talking once again about Will Smith and Chris Rock. This time, we're talking about two Major League Baseball players, that being Tommy Pham of the Cincinnati Reds and Jock Peterson of the San Francisco Giants. Prior to a game the other day, the two aforementioned players, met in the outfield. And apparently, Tommy was a little upset at Jock over something that happened in their fantasy football league last year. And in doing so, had a word or two and then went ahead and slapped Jock Peterson. Tommy Pham has been suspended for three games by Major League Baseball for his actions. And What's funny is the fact that 
It's playing out in real time in front of all of us. It's fantasy football. And the way that it has played out since, it's almost like a soap opera. So Jock Peterson has no problem showing reporters his group chat in which Tommy Pham was involved in and backing up his side of the story. And in doing so, Tommy apparently upset about he believing Jock Peterson like hid a player that was supposed to be on IR. I don't play fantasy football. I don't pretend to know it. But he was upset by it. And granted, these guys, when they buy in, some reports have the buy-in for this fantasy football league at around 25000 That's That's not chump change, even when you're making the kind of money these athletes do. But Tommy Pham just took it to a whole different level. Even went on to say that essentially, and I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, that he's a high roller in Vegas, and you just, you just don't do these types of things. Like, he, he, he's known in Vegas for what he does, and he's a big gambler and blah, blah, blah. It, it's amazing that we have adults acting this way and forfeiting essentially game checks in, in, the, in Tommy Pham because of an argument over fantasy football. Interesting soap opera because you know these two teams have to meet again somewhere down the line here this summer and watch the drama that unfails with that. All right, let's get out of this because it's just ridiculous to even consider that we're talking about it. But nonetheless, we did. And I thank you for joining us on this edition of this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast. We'll be back again in a couple of days. Be safe. Take care of one another. We'll talk to you later.